So this morning, before you make your yoga practice here with our vision, um, I would like to illustrate to you the basic principles upon which yoga works. Why does yoga work? How does yoga work? And let's start with the very name itself. The name, the word yoga, means union, to bring together, like a fusion, unison. And therefore, when one makes yoga, the idea is that one attains to a, a state of unification with something. And every method that one makes in yoga, whether it's an asana or a breathing method for pranayamas, mudras, bandhas, anything one makes in yoga, the question that we have to ask is, okay, if I'm making yoga and this method belongs to the tradition of yoga, then what yoga or what union has just happened between me, the one who is making the practice, and usually there are big question marks there because the question is not really answered and, uh, and that's because people have started to make yoga in a more physical, uh, materialistic, gymnastic kind of way in the sense that they make, for example, asanas and the focus on the asanas about alignment, stretching, flexibility nothing is wrong about alignment, stretching and flexibility Always good to be aligned in your body, flexible, to stretch, many good effects there. But the word yoga doesn't mean alignment, nor does it mean stretching, nor does it mean flexibility. That there is something more to doing the practices of yoga, and in the particular case of asanas, than just stretching and flexibility. Where is the yoga, where is the union? And that's why I want to inform you about certain principles, which when you understand, you understand how yoga works and then with that awareness, there's a, there's a certain efficiency that comes in your practice that does not come without, without the awareness of what you're doing. So, by the way, these two principles, they govern the whole universe, they govern life. Your whole life happens with the working of these two principles. They are not the copyright of yoga, of the yogis, the same two principles apply to every other spiritual tradition, whether it's Sufism, whether it's Kabbalah, Taoism, like these, I mentioned some esoteric traditions, but it applies to your moment-to-moment life also. The yogis simply, from their mystical insight, recognize that the universe works in a certain way, that the universal laws and forces that govern our lives and influence us, and we, to a certain extent, influence the universe, and to see how to do this right, like how to live in a conscious way versus having the, the universe puppet us in an unconscious way. So the first principle is called the principle of correspondence, and it suggests that the human being and the universe out there, this large, vast, almost incomprehensible to the untrained mind, this vast universe are identical. Identical in their blueprint, identical in their matrix. And the way this is represented in the tradition is that whatever is here is everywhere. One of the tantric texts called the Vishwasara Tantra says, whatever is here is everywhere implying that anything that has an occurrence 
as a phenomenon, as an existence, as a state of mind, as a state of consciousness, as a mood, as an energy, here has its correspondence in the universe. It exists out there in the universe. If it's here, it's there. The text says whatever is here is everywhere. Whatever is not here is nowhere. Microcosm, macrocosm. There's still a cosm. Cosm means cosmos. Small cosmos, big cosmos. And the other way around also. Not only whatever is here is everywhere, but whatever you have in the universe has its correspondence in the human being. Let's see some examples of this. In the human condition, does the, does the human being have intelligence, like you have intelligence? And some people say, yeah, I'm very intelligent. Other people say, ah, yeah, but no, I'm not that clever, I'm not that smart. Point is, every human being has still got even a little bit of intelligence, right? Whether it's a little or a lot, but they have. The mystics say, your little intelligence comes from a source in the universe. And if there's intelligence over here, there's cosmic intelligence out there. Universal intelligence out there, which is so much more greater than my pathetic little intelligence, exactly as you compare the size of my body with the size of the universe. If it's here, it's going to be there. And there it's in cosmic proportion. Similarly, if the human being can love and has the capacity to love, even impure love, diluted love, selfish love, egocentric love, even that, if I can love and love is here, then there's got to be love out there. And the love out there is universal. It's a cosmic love. Like you compare the heat of my body with the heat of the sun. You get it? And like that, anything over here is out there. The source of it is out there. And the other way around, if there is something out there in the universe, it has its correspondence, its corresponding link in the human being. And that's why it's called the law of correspondence. The Kabbalistic tradition says it in another way. It says, as above, implying universal, so below. As below, so above. For thus, Ramina, the miracle of the whole. The Sufi tradition says the universe is a vast human being. The human being is a little universe, like a universal nutshell. So you see these principles expressed in other traditions because, again, it doesn't belong to yoga exclusively. Just like gravity and how gravity functions, the roots of gravity don't belong to any particular group of people or religion or, you know, it's the way it is. And gravity is gravity in the house of a Jew or a Sufi or a Yogi or an atheist. So, now let's see what's the point of telling you such a principle that whatever is here is everywhere, whatever is not here is nowhere. The principle of correspondence has practical effects. And the first import of it is this. When we live our lives in the way we live it, in these materialistic ways we live it, and egoistical uh, ego way we live it, we tend to always live with the notion, this is me, 
this is mine, whatever, you know, my house, my car, my money, my child, my, 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 And all this, this, this is not mine, this is all yours, yours, yours. And they will trespass, otherwise you'll be persecuted. This is mine and maybe you know, right? And we have this idea, which is a false idea, that something belongs to you. I can understand from the standpoint of the social uh, regulations and making sense in society, you have to say, this is mine, this is not, this property is ending here, and that, that. I understand. But we believe in it too much. We create an illusion, we stick to that illusion, you know, and we live our lives through it, only to suffer. And the principle of correspondence and generally mystical systems say, nothing is yours. Like, what is yours? If something was really yours, it would be with you forever and ever and ever. At least by the definition of the mystics. So now, what is yours? Because everything you have is going to be taken away from you. If not before death, for sure in the moment of death, right? You know when death is coming, that's not saying, oh, you can take your gold with you. Oh, you really like your, your son, you take him also, you know? Everything has to be left behind, including your little pinky finger and everything else attached to it. Even this is not yours. Everything we have comes from the universe to us. Usually, as per the law of karma allows, we may be karmically fortunate human beings in this particular moment. We don't know what happens tomorrow. Karma explains doing his best on us, because we are unconscious. But the uh, point is, whatever you do get, you get from outside. The air you breathe for your, as a life support comes from out. You don't manufacture the air. The food you eat comes from out. The universe provides. Even this body is provided to you for the evolution of your consciousness. The clothes you wear comes from out. Yeah, you, you may have earned money to buy it. Sure, but it still comes from out. So does your money. Right? The, uni the universe provides you with these things. Similarly, everything else which is more subtle, like you all admit things which are more material, they all come from out to me. Right? And they come and they go. As much as I try to hold on to it, it's going to go sooner or later. However, with the things which are more subtle, people seem to have some kind of false sense of claim on it. Like the thoughts, your emotional states. We tend to think this is mine. The mystics say, actually, even things that come in your mind, ideas, good ideas, bad ideas. Great emotions, terrible emotions. Whatever happens at the level of the subtle aspects of your being, those are also coming from the universe. Everything is flowing from the universe to the human being. We are simply a way, a medium, a vehicle through which the universe expresses itself through us. Some people might start thinking, wow, like this I can be as 
much of a joke as I want, and they can blame it all on the universe, right? Because Mukta just said that the universe is acting through me, the universe is flowing through me. So if in this moment I'm going to be a selfish moron, and someone says, what, how are you behaving? And then I'm going to say, well, it's the universe. This is not true. There is, it's, it's not bypassing any responsibility here because the question is then, why does the universe express itself in one way through Albert Einstein and another way through Jack the Ripper? Does the universe make uh, some kind of a special, you know, uh, partial thing? Like, him I like. So I'm going to express all the goodness through him, says the universe. You know, and this one I don't like. And I'm going to give this person all the shit. Think the unit, does gravity behave like that? No. Does fire behave like that? Does electricity decide who it's going to shock and who not? Gravity, electricity, fire, karma, all the forces of the universe, gross to the most refined and subtle, they are very impartial. Now the universe is not deciding how it flows through you. You are deciding how it flows through you. You are deciding what comes through you. So there's a full responsibility over here. I'm like a, I'm a, a, a vessel, let's say I'm a beautiful flute, a musical instrument through which the musician blows the music. If the flute is very well done, that's a beautiful flute, then beautiful music comes through. If the flute is broken, cracked, you know, it's got mud stuck, it's not a good flute. Even the master musician blowing into it will just get a cacophony of sound. It won't be music. Then can you blame the musician? And say, ah, you didn't perform well tonight. And the musician says, look at the instrument. Right? Give me a good instrument. We are the instrument. And our level of consciousness, our level of puberty, physical, energetic, emotional, psychological purity defines what is coming to us and what isn't. You know, if, a, if somebody is very intelligent, they tend to think, I am so intelligent, and even get very proud about it. What they don't realize is that it's the universal intelligence which is streaming through them at this particular time. And instead of being proud, they should be grateful. If somebody is not very intelligent, it means that the cosmic intelligence is not flowing well through this person. Why? Well, usually, for the unconscious people, it's karma that decides what flows and what doesn't. Same thing with money. Some people, money flows whether they work hard, a lot, or they work little. Money seems to keep flowing. That's because they are tuned in they have plugged into the financial energies of the universe, whether consciously or unconsciously at the whim of the karma, which again can change any time. See? But that money flows into someone's life or doesn't flow abundantly in a person's life is also showing a relationship with the universe in terms of the financial energies. These things can be improved with yoga. This and it goes on like this with everything else, guys. The energies of vitality, the energies of love, the energies... People cry, suicide themselves, make a fuss because nobody loves them. 
The mommy didn't love me enough, daddy didn't love me enough, my girlfriend didn't love me enough, nobody loved me enough, and I suffered, right? And the yogi said, love is an energy everywhere in the universe. It exists everywhere as an energy. And why are you not screaming love? Why is it not flowing through this vehicle? Why am I going around looking for one partner to another, begging for love? Who is not doing this, in this on this planet? When people do their relationships, do they do them going from a state of fullness? I am full of love and I just want to shine forth. No, no needs. Don't want anything and don't need anything. Love just wants to express itself. Is that how people do their relationships? Or do they go like beggars to each other? And then tragedy hits again and again and again. Because two beggars can't make each other rich. And love is abundant everywhere. And people are not feeling it. And yoga says, you can enrich yourself with the cosmic love in any moment by plugging into it, by tuning into it, which is going to lead me to speak about this one. This is the plugging in, this is the tuning in. How does that happen with yoga? In yoga, for the union to happen. So, the universe is a big, kind, benevolent mother. Metaphorically and meta metaphysically so. And in this universe, everything you want for your life to be more fulfilled and happy exists in this universe as an energy and even as some aspects of manifestation, like the, the material manifestation. Yeah? And yoga is a system amongst others by which you can consciously and deliberately plug in and download those aspects from the universe into you. You want to improve your self-confidence, it's an energy everywhere. Just like BBC. <coughs> the, the frequencies of BBC, the waves, huh? radio waves, satellite waves, whatever, BBC, CNN, um, other channels, high television, are coexisting, including all your mobile phone frequencies. They are all coexisting here in the same room, aren't they? Exactly as frequencies can exist in the same room, in the same space at the same time, but at different frequencies, Similarly, every energy in the universe is everywhere at different frequencies. And every one of these energies can crystallize in the human being in the form of self-confidence, willpower, vitality, love, intelligence, and whatever else you feel you want in your life to have a more whole, whole happy life. So the principle of correspondence says, anything you want is out there, cosmic proportion, gigantic proportion, like how much intelligence can you call for? Sky's the limit as much as you want. How much love can you call for? As much as you want. Think about the mystics. Think about the kind of heart that Rumi had. Think about the heart that Jesus had. Where did it come from? If you can have a heart so big and so open and so perfect like Jesus had, we can do at least 10% right. 
if they thought that the Messiah was just, in, and yet sure, he is in his ego for something, but we can really stand in the center of that compared to what we have now. Every method in yoga, every single method, even the physical postures, yeah, that's the objective of it. Through every method in the yoga, from physical to mantras and subtle methods, every method is putting you in an attuning with one or more of these beneficial, superior energies of the universe. And you're in a streaming, you're in a downloading. And you do it every day, every day, every day, till you become more or less permanently tuned in to those energies. Now we speak about the next principle that defines how we make the, how these correspondence, correspondences are made alive, how we put them into effect, what's the nature of the contact between the human being and the universe. And this is why I asked for that pen to write. And so the principle of resonance, let's say even the word resonance, in technological terms, in a very simplistic way, the word resonance is defined like this. You have a system that vibrates, a mother system that vibrates at a frequency, a certain frequency. You bring another system, in this case it will be called a daughter system, and you bring the daughter system within the vibration proximity of the mother system, and it catches the vibration and they vibrate at the same frequency together. This transfer of vibrations from one system that vibrates to another is called resonance. This one enters into resonance with this one. And the only necessity is, the condition is, they both have to be at the same frequency. If this is 10 hertz and this is 11 hertz or 5 hertz, if anything but 10, it won't catch. This will vibrate, but this will not catch the vibration. It has to be the same, same frequency. Then it catches. Yeah? Now, <coughs> Let's go back to the, the energy of love, which when it streams through you, you experience the consciousness of love, the states of mind related to love, the true love, and the states, the emotional states related to true love. Okay. And then of course your choices and your behaviors go in, in, a, in a certain way from that state of consciousness. Love is an energy everywhere in the universe. And this is me. This is you. Peppers. Don't know love. It's everywhere. It's all around me. It's everywhere. Why don't I catch it? Because I'm not tuned in. I'm not at the frequency. Yeah? Then comes yoga. Sorry, I should have used this one because I've only a black one. Like this. This is love. And I'm like this. Yeah? Though the color doesn't represent the energy of love. What? This one doesn't matter. Anyway, so I'm like this and I don't catch it. Then I make the yoga practice. And the effect of the yoga practice is for a while it makes you like this. And you tune in. And you download that energy of the power, love, intelligence, whatever you do. You know, that asana, the pranayama, that technique is really good, and you download it. Well, you got a couple of units of that love or that intelligence today. And then, when you finish the practice, your mind goes back to its usual coordinates, stresses, 
joints, etc. And you're out of tune again. But love is still around. Tomorrow you come back and says, okay, let's make it again. You catch it again. Right? And then you're back, square one. Then you go and do it again. But like this, when you go on for months and then years, you learn the trick. You learn how to do this and to stay there. To keep online with confidence, love, memory, intelligence and whatnot. So you get the point. What does yoga do? First of all, it attunes you to the beneficial, superior energies of the universe via the principle of resonance and the methods in yoga are getting you there. The, 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 it works on your organism, it works on your energy bodies, it works on your mind. All of it put together is tuning you to those energies till you can make it a permanent connection and stream with it. Rumi didn't need to do exercises for his heart chakra every day to stay plugged in. He did. And at some point it was now it's screaming non-stop. Even when he's eating, even when he's farting, even when he's sleeping, even when whatever he's doing, his heart is in beautiful attunement with the cosmic heart and it's flowing. The energy is flowing. Now the, the question is this, or this, the, what I want to tell you is this. This goes for all the shit of the human condition also. For example, anger, when you, when you feel angry, it's a little atom of the cosmic anger expressing itself through you. When you get jealous, worried, stressful, fear, anxiety, and the negative states of emotion, the negative moods, the negative states of mind. Negative, why do we judge it as negative? Well, the question is this, does it help you in your evolution to perfect happiness? Does it help you towards true love? Like when you're angry, depressed, moronic, selfish, egocentric, proud, and the rest of them. Are you elevated? Do you feel high? Do you shine? Are you a nuisance to yourself and to everybody else around you? Well, every one of these and more are also energies of the universe. If there's anger here, there's anger there. There's the sources of cosmic anger in the universe. If there's sadness here, there's sadness out there as an energy. See? Now do you realize we have been doing yoga all our life? Yoga, not methods, union. Yoga all our life. Unconsciously and mostly towards a lot of unbeneficial states of mind, emotion. What does it take for anybody to get into anger? What would it take for you right now to get really angry? Anything small, you're driving your car peacefully, some dude comes and cuts you off, turns in front of you, that's it, bam, big anger. That means I have learned to make a yoga with the energies of anger so easily. Now I'm telling a person, good, do the same with love. 
Because in a moment you can take anger and amplify it ten times, at least, correct? Just in a moment. Do it with love. Cannot. Right? Can do it with jealousy. What does it take to be jealous? To go from zero jealousy in the moment to 100% jealous. What does it take? Right? Do it with intelligence. Go from the intelligence you have and you know what? Forget 100 times more. Make it three times more. Three times more intelligence. Now, do Content. You see? We have been doing yoga all our life with all the shitty, unbeneficial energies, not all, but many energies in the universe. And how do we do it? We do it by where and how and how much we focus the mind. And it is this, this is our instrument of resonance. This mind is our tuning button to the universe. The analogy of the radio fits perfectly with this situation. I am you, now we are a radio. The universe is a big broadcasting station that broadcasts universal energies of all kinds or frequencies. Where my tuning button is tuned, to what channel it's tuned, is the reality I'm going to get, correct? If my radio is tuned to the channel depression, I'm going to get depression music, depression soap operas, and my life is going to be a depression. If I'm tuned to channel love, intelligence, exaltation of spirit, whatever, my reality is going to be different. And that tuning button in this radio is the mind, which for most people is unchecked. But did how many people examine what their mind, what's the content of the mind, what thoughts are coming again and again and again? Like examine it and then purify it, clean it up. If my tuning button and most people's tuning button is set on energetic, emotional, psychological poverty. Just look at just look around. Look at your own life and see. On a spectrum of miserable to eternal happiness, where am I? On this. And be honest. And so the point is all of these correspondences are the the correspondences exist. But how and when you tune into the universe by the principle of resonance, it depends on your mind. And that's why in the yoga practice, we always have to focus the mind correctly. There is no yoga, and I mean usually not stretching, without the correct concentration of the mind. Right from the beginning, that's why I'm informing you today, on the first day, when your teacher will practice with you, he or she will tell you, focus like this, focus here. And you have to do your best to focus there because it is through this that those resonances are made to occur. Ultimately, all yoga is done only with the mind. You need the props of the body, the posture, the energy and all that stuff in the beginning. Like crutches are needed when the legs are weak. But after months and years of physiotherapy and exercise, when the legs get strong, the crutches are put in a corner or donated, 
and you can walk freely with other crutches. Every method in yoga is a crutch for a mind that is weak. How well does the mind focus? If you tell them I now focus in a minute, here, right here, on my Arjuna Chakra, focus here, 30 minutes, non-stop, no going anywhere, just stay here. You know what's going to happen. The mind will go, okay, tick, tick, one, tick, tick. To make a whole, you know, carnival there. Then you say, no, 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 where are you going back? Come back here. Okay, one, two, three, gone, gone. A mind that cannot concentrate, cannot focus. Not to mention, it doesn't focus on when you tell it to focus. But when it wants to focus, when it wants to focus, it does it. Like when a person is jealous or angry, they are focused on some coordinates, you see. They think in a certain way. And then they can't even stop. Even if they want to stop, they can't stop. That means the mind is doing its own show. You have a radio, but you are not in control of the tuning button. The tuning button does just what it wants. And you have to listen to the reception no matter what. Yoga says this is a serious error. Your mind is your instrument. It belongs to you. A part of you doesn't obey you. If another part of you didn't obey you, you'd get seriously troubled, right? You're in a bus or let's say an aeroplane, you know, minding a business, reading that magazine, and then one of your hands, without your permission, slaps across the face the one sitting next to you. Just imagine the situation, yeah? This person looks at you, you look at the person, I'm so sorry, and then he then slaps you around, you know. Then you grab your hand and say, what is my hand doing? It's out of control. You would not eat, you would not sleep, you would not, nothing till you got that. You say, if it doesn't come under control, chocolate, man, but you can't live like this, correct? If something went out of control in your body, you would not tolerate it. You'd seek help. But when the mind, in your mind, which is your tuning button to the whole universe that creates the whole reality for you, is out of control. You sit back and say, darling, what's for dinner tonight? Are we going to dance here or there tonight like this minute? We have to get back the control over the mind. We have to get, get, get a grip on our mind. And therefore, right from step number one, the mental control, mental concentration in the right way. Of course, when you make an asana, you're not concentrating on thoughts of jealousy. You're thinking something else, which tunes you in the right way, in the beneficial ways to the beneficial energies in the universe. So, always remember, the mind will go, guys. It goes for me also. You're focusing, so your teacher says, focus here in the heart, heart chakra. And then you focus and sometimes it goes. It's fine. Bring it back in a relaxed way. You see, you just have to be detached to the results and just keep bringing it back. Every time it goes and you catch it, bring it back. As the great Shivananda, Swami Shivananda Rishikesh said, if it goes away from your objective focus a thousand times, bring it back a thousand and one times without getting pissed off without getting discouraged, like with a smile on the face, yeah. We know you're a mental monkey, that for 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever years of my life, I've let out of control. What do I expect now? This mental monkey is going to just suddenly come under control 100%? No. It's like a wild beast, you know, like a standing that's not tamed. Tame it. Gradually, it will come more and more in your control again. 
But there's one time and one place to start, and that is here, today, now. Of course, the methods of yoga assist you. Like the asanas help you to stay focused in a certain way. The mantras help your mind to stay focused, so they are crutches for your mind. Yeah. Eventually, you'll sit in a chair and you make all your yoga only with the mind. No need for these things. Unless, like asanas, you want to stretch yourself, you want to get some physiological, physical benefits, sure, but otherwise, sit in the chair, during oh, yoga is on. Right? Lastly, I would like to introduce you. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention this. Uh, this is how, symbolically, the tantric tradition of India shows us the principle of correspondence. It shows us a big egg shape and a small one, representing the, the universe and the human being. Not in proportion, of course. And it tells us, look, they're the same. As a structure, as a matrix, as a blueprint, they're the same, aren't they? Does the human being look like an egg? No. It's a symbol. So just take it for the value of being a symbol. Similarly, who knows if the universe has an egg shape or not? It's just a symbol. And the universe is sub-form. It's made up of seven levels. Levels of manifestation, meaning energy, matter, mind, consciousness. Seven of them. Exactly the same in the human being. Just as a preview of coming attractions in the next days, just to show you, this in the human being, this number one, is your physical body. Everything about you that's physical, your physical senses, you know, your physical neurons, nerves, brain, DNA, from the smallest, your physical atoms that make up your, this whole thing. That's just plain, that's part one of you. There are six more levels of you, undiscovered, unknown, from birth to death. Never realize this. Yoga is bringing the awareness to the second, to the third, going all the way to the seventh and beyond. Yoga is the expansion of your consciousness from the gross to the more and more subtle, more and more refined. Ultimately, it's the expansion of consciousness into the immortal spirit. It's recognition of oneself as spirit. And therefore, while yoga, as I mentioned, is attuning with the beneficial energies of the universe, the ultimate, the fulfillment of yoga, the acne of yoga, is the union between the human being and cosmic consciousness. Call it God, call it Shiva, call it God, whatever you want. Yeah? Buddha didn't give it any name or personality. Buddha called it the Buddha nature, the Dharmakaya. That transcendental reality beyond space, beyond time, beyond authorship, beyond, beyond uh, a temporal authorship, I mean, uh, this cosmic consciousness that some mystics call the immortal spirit, immortal spirit, that is also you here and now. That immortal spirit reality is more real than your name, your body, your gender, and your whole life, you know, because these things come and they go. And the spirit remains. Ultimately, the yoga is to evolve your consciousness from matter, physical matter, all the way to the most subtle perception. Even the words are meaningless with this one. No, it's the recognition of that which is you, which is eternity. 
But look here. Here you have also seven planes. And plane number one is the physical manifestation in the universe. Everything in the universe that is physical, gross, dense, hard, heavy. Which means everything, even, even the galaxies, right? All this is the physical universe. Okay? It's so vast, how to comprehend the physical universe? So big. That's just plane number one, guys. You have plane number two, three, and so on. Oh, by the way, these seven, they don't exist like a straw, like a sandwich, yeah? bread, lettuce leaf, mayonnaise, tomatoes, not like this. It's a symbol. All these planes coexist together everywhere. All the seven planes of the universe are here and now. You have physical, you have next, and next, and next. One day I'll tell you more about this. So, tomorrow, I think. And it says, plane number one here corresponds to plane number one here. Can your physical body exist without a physical spot out there? If you need a physical universe for a physical body to exist in, correct? Similarly, you have a second body. You need the second plane of the universe and so on. Correspondences again. There. That's why I, I drew it so you can see the symbol, symbolism. Now, before your practice, one last detail, and that is to simply give you the location and the point of what is called the chakras. In the tantric tradition, you have, they have uh, shown us the existence of seven chakras. It's actually six chakras plus one more, which is not really technically a chakra, but for the sake of just for now, for this morning, we'll say seven chakras. And these seven chakras are making up the backbone of all tantric yoga, whether it's hatha yoga, whether it's the, the advanced forms of hatha yoga called kundalini yoga, lana yoga, and everything else in tantra is coming back to the chakras. The chakras are organs, just like you have physical organs. They are organs, so to speak, in your energy anatomy. They make your energetic anatomy. And they have a function. The very name of chakra, the chakra means a wheel. Chakra means like wheel. And it is a, for clairvoyant who can see the chakras, it occurs, the chakra occurs like a round vortex of energy located in your pranic body in certain places. Before I tell you where they're located, I believe tomorrow morning I'll give you a much more detail about the, about the six plus one chakras in terms of the attributes, qualities, the, their uh, impact at the level of the human condition and universal and so on tomorrow morning. For now, I'll just tell you the locations and the point of them. A radio not only has a tuning button, it also has an antenna. The antenna of the radio receives energy. If it's a radio that broadcasts energy, then the antenna also broadcasts energy, correct? And as we know, um, at least like 10, 20 years ago, you had radios, sophisticated radio systems that had different kinds of antennas for being able to engage with certain kinds of frequencies. Long wave antenna for long wave, short wave antenna for short wave, satellite dish for satellite frequencies. Your mobile phones also have an antenna in it. The old days it was sticking out, you know, now it's hidden. But it has an antenna. And in your mobile phone, that antenna receives energy, 
and broadcast. That's why you can make a phone call because it can be you know, emitted like this. We are a radio. There are seven levels of the universe. There are seven planes to the human being. There is one chakra, which is your antenna for that whole range of frequencies. That's the point of the chakra. That's why the chakras are used in yoga. Let's see some practical relevance here. Let's say I'm saying, well, Mukta, you said intelligence. I would like to double up my intelligence this morning. How shall I do that? I'm going to say tune in. Tune in via the principle of resonance into the corresponding source of intelligence in the universe. Right? How do you do that? Do the asana pranayama, something that helps you to tune your mind. This is a tuning button. But you tune the mind, but how is the energy going to come to you? Through what device is going to come through? It's going to come through one of your seven chakras. Then the question is, okay. Okay. If I want intelligence, then first I should know where in this universe is that specific energy of intelligence. Because otherwise, where am I going to start looking? How? In this universe? In seven brains? So the yogis have made it clear. It's already shown to your Cosmic intelligence occurs as an energy somewhere in this range of frequencies at the sixth sub-level of the universe. Then I know I have to tune in this this. How do I do it? Through that chakra. You getting it? Your each chakra in you is representing one-seventh of the universe. Your first chakra represents one this one-seventh of the universe and every energy and everything in manifestation on that level. That's huge. Try to comprehend. One-seventh of the universe. To say I know one chakra is to say I know one-seventh of the universe. That's a huge thing. And knowledge in yoga is a direct practical knowledge, which means if you know something, you perceive it, you control it. To say I know a chakra, whichever one, let's say I know the third chakra. That is to say, I can perceive every single energy and manifestation at the third plane of this one seventh of the universe, and I can control them all. To say I know all seven chakras is to say, I am son of God, Jesus Christ. So we have to be humble you know, in what we think. My point is, each chakra represents one-seventh of the universe and anything contained in that particular sub-level of the universe, you can tune into that via the corresponding chakra. If you say love, I am starving of love, can I tune into love? Sure. The first question is where? Where is that love? Yogis tell us it belongs to the fourth subplane of the universe. It's one of the many, many energies or frequencies at that plane, at that subtle plane. How do I get there? How do I tune in through my fourth chakra? And now that you understood, for now, what's the point of the chakras and why we focus upon them in yoga? Now, quickly, a run through of the location of the chakras and then you do your practice. The root chakra is located right here at the level of the perineum, a bit on the outside. 
you'll read in books, you'll hear from people's lectures, the chakras are in the spine, the chakras are in the... You know, there is a corresponding point in the spine, and it's not a physical thing. We're talking about a channel of energy in the spine called Shunanadi that goes from your root chakra all the way, running along parallel with the physical spine, all the way to the top of the head and out into the crown. It meets into the crown chakra here. And all your chakras, which are outside the body and front, like in one straight line, not to the left, not to the right, they don't you know, move around, it's just like this. They all have a connection, a channel of energy going in and meeting the spine. So you can feel the energy of a chakra over here indeed, but the chakra is an energy vortex, is in front of the body and a bit on the outside. The root chakra is out here, like the base chakra. It's called Muladhara. The second one, you may not need to memorize the names for now, as your teachers will tell you, they'll tell you where to focus, it will all be made clear again. The second one is located here at the level of the pubic bone a bit outside, and this one is called Swadhisthana. The third one is called Manipura, located at the level of the navel, just a bit under, just a little bit under here. The fourth one is called Anahata, located at the level of your chest, out here. The fifth one is called Vishuddha, located here, outside the throat. The sixth one is Ajna, located here, outside. And the seventh one, over the top of the head, over here. All right. You say, man, you're telling me to focus outside my body on a disc of energy which spoke? Yes. And it will come slowly. You say, how can I focus on something outside my body? How can you not? You've just been trained yet. You've not put your attention over there, that's all. You keep putting your attention, keep putting your attention again and again, and you start feeding the chakras as they exist. But till then, if you want to support yourself, you can focus on that area of your body you know, in the nearest proximal range of the chakra. So if your teacher says focus on your throat chakra, you can put your attention in this area of the throat and then try to go a bit outside. Feel what's happening out there. Yeah. Questions if you have, and then we start with your practice. Alright then. See you this evening at 4 o'clock. Namaste.